This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We are talking art and design this hour with the UAE's first Emirati jewellery artist, Azza Al Qubaisi. We talk creativity and inspiration, taking Emirati art and culture to the world, as well as her work here in Sharjah and beyond. That's all next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, it is Life Beats here on Pulse 95 and uh, we have a very special guest with us here in the studio today, Azza Al-Qubaisi. She is a jewellery artist, a sculptor, a product designer and is most often referred to as the UAE's first Emirati jewellery artist, often exploring and experimenting with metal and natural materials. She's exhibited worldwide uh, and uh, she's had exhibitions like Three Generations at Sotheby's in London, the UAE National Day exhibition at Expo 2015 in Milan and Portrait of a Nation in Berlin in 2017 amongst many, many others. It is a huge honour for me to welcome into the Life Beat Studio, Azza Al Qubaisi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Habibdi. It's a pleasure to be with you finally. Yes. <laughs> I've been I've been a big fan of the station. Oh, that that's <laughs> amazing to hear uh. that. Uh, but you know, your name has been coming up a lot lately. Uh, you've had uh, workshops here in Sharjah. Uh, we have been talking about you as part of the judging panel for the Christo Jean Claude Award. We've had the winners here in the studio, uh, amongst many other things. Mashallah, very very active artist and designer you are. But I think um, we want to go back and we want to know your story and how Azza Al Qubaisi became an artist. Okay. <laughs> I look forward <laughs> to hearing that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, um, it's the beginning. I, I always feel uh, lucky, alhamdulillah, um, that I was able to decide very early on uh, when I was 18, 19, uh, what I wanted to study and, and to have had the opportunity for for my parents to support me and and allow me to go through my you know journey that i i selected for myself uh, at uh, such a young age uh, was such a phenomenal thing because that you know can be a very difficult thing for young people to figure yes. out what they want to do let alone have the the support of parents especially when you say i want to become an artist uh, but <laughs> i want to go a little bit before that yes. and and so what was inspiring you as you were growing up did you see artists did you see works that really resonated with you what was it well to me it was my connection to nature it's going to the desert, going to the beach with the family. Um, up to now, I mean, the memories I have, I don't think um, many uh, of the uh, recent generation can even live that kind of experiences. Um, nature was to 
too raw and beautiful at that time. I, I feel like it still exists in my memory. I mean, I still connect to nature today. I like going to the desert and to the uh, to the beach. But it, it was, I don't know, it was just that kind of connection that made me collect rocks and take things with me and want to sketch. While I didn't have anybody from the family that was an artist or um, who enjoyed painting maybe far distance I've seen people you know scribble and we all did I mean in our books but I definitely didn't see it as a, a choice of career um, I was only able to see its potential when I was doing my A-level in London um, so I did biology and math and then I said oh let me do art you know I, I enjoy that I love it it's an extra A-level and that's when it just all connected um, I just felt like oh my god this is my call um, that should be my prominent uh, uh, you know time invested uh, in it and that's when I was able to decide and do my uh, foundation in Chelsea College of Art and Design up to that point my dad was you know slightly not too happy about it and um, when I told him I wanted to do jewelry uh, he said well I'm not too happy but if you fail you'll be responsible so I'll support you for your choices but it's it's your failure if you do fail um, I wasn't frightened at all I just <laughs> You know, I flew, I, I was flying, I was so excited, and I only, I didn't even see the success, but I saw that I'll be doing something I'm quite happy about. And I think um, meeting um, other individuals who were studying with me, um, I was like 19 and they were 40. I was like, oh, even in the UK, you know, still people are confused about their careers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's very interesting. You know, I thought that was only in the Arab world. So it, 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 it was quite shocking for me to have that crystal vision of seeing myself um, happy. I mean, it wasn't success. It was the inner happiness. I found my calling. Wow. I mean, you know, most people at 19 would think, you know, when your dad says that, it's like, okay, what if I fail? You know, you, you kind of think, oh, you know, what if I do fail? But for you, it was kind of a release. You were like, you had this inner joy that you're talking about. Yes. And suddenly you could express it. Yes. Yes. Wow. And so did you know what you wanted to do at this point or did you think, OK, I'm just going to explore. I'm going to go. Well, during the foundation year, I was able to explore a lot of different mediums, um, different specializations in, in art. And um, the only one which I didn't do was jewelry. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I did many. I worked with many different materials, acrylic, mm -hmm. um, the wood, the resin, water, you know, all sorts of things, wax. And I sort of went through a journey. I lived that year. Um, but I definitely knew I wanted to do jewelry. And I felt inside, I mean, there weren't many people I can ask and talk to at that point. Uh, it was very generic uh, when it comes to that year. Um, but I started searching because we have to apply to universities like six months ahead of time. And I think that journey of searching and looking at the different specializations and then I, I was so clear, you know, I wanted certain points 
that I wanted to be part of my, you know, education and going through, you know, the the things that I wanted and the different um, uh, BAs that were available, mm. um, you know, it, it just went directly to selecting uh, different universities that did jewelry. Yeah. What was it about jewelry that made you just go, that's what I want, jewelry? Well, the idea first was, well, I live in a country that people enjoy wearing jewelry. That was number one. And I thought, oh, I mean, if I create art and jewelry together, that's a very easier way of selling. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Very I can I can be uh, an artist uh, and in the same time be able to sell. Very smart. Um, it wasn't actually the real thing. <laughs> when I came back home, I was so shocked. Um, when I did my exhibition, um, how people perceived my work. Really? Tell um, us about that. Um, I mean, I worked with different mediums and uh, some of the pieces that I created were out of silver. And I had this point of view of like, who would wear that? And uh, you do strange things. <laughs> this is what people were saying about your work. Yeah, but when you get non uh, non uh, you know non locals um, they'd go wow that's so contemporary and then that clicked I mean I exhibited in London twice before moving back here uh, to Abu Dhabi and I knew people um, connected to my work I knew how they perceived it yeah. through seeing how they looked at it when you know during the exhibitions uh, and how much you know that gave me sort of confidence so Hearing that, it didn't even like shock me. It, I, I, I was like, okay, that's gonna fuel me. People are still not ready for my work, but that should not stop my, you know, uh, experience or career through it. Um, but the same plus side, uh, like plus uh, that happened in the same exhibition, which was in the Cultural Foundation, which recently has reopened again after 10 years. Uh, and I'm actually exhibiting there as well. Um, is uh, is when I met the Finnish ambassador mm -hmm. and uh, he looked at my work and he thought, oh, wow, uh, it's so Finnish in style. I didn't understand what that <laughs> meant, actually, <laughs> because I had somebody else uh, in, in London tell me the same thing. And I just didn't have the time to actually go through it and understand what is Finnish design at that point. But then it clicked when I went, um, I actually got the opportunity to represent my country and exhibit my work in a festival called A Thousand and One in Finland, Helsinki. Uh, it was 2004, September, October 2004. Um, and then, you know, going through the window shops there, seeing the design, the museums, I understand. It's their connection to nature. It's the simplicity of the lines. And I had it all. Although they have, you know, the opposite weather, plenty of water, and we are the, you know, other uh, hot climate and less water and so on. But when it comes to lines from nature, I realized they connected. Lapland, the lines on the, you know, uh, landscape there and the lines in our sand dunes, they were so similar. Uh, it was incredible. So to me, I, I started, you know, seeing that, okay, I didn't understand, you know, people think that way or 
do that way, you know, do their designs in that way. But to me, it was trying to discover myself. I was at an age where I wanted to to be myself, find out who I am as an Emirati. And that was like just the beginning of my search uh, of my identity through material. And it just pushed me to, to work with different materials, which in turn made me work with different sizes. So I, a lot of people keep seeing my work and saying, oh, Azze, you stopped doing any jewelry. It's like, no, just my jewelry grew in size. <laughs> it's not wearable anymore. It's become <laughs> but a sculpture. I still, yeah, but I still do jewelry. Yeah. I still enjoy doing it. Um, every now and then I have a new series that I create, yeah. Unbelievable story. I love that. I love How that, you, you know, you, you took what was inside you and found it on the other side of the world yes. in Finland. It's amazing. You know, it's that connection between nature and us. It's, you know, innate. And it's something that you find doesn't matter where you go. Phenomenal. Amazing. We're going to continue the story uh, with Azza al Qubaisi next. Talking more about her work. Uh, talking more about, because you're very much somebody who marries Emirati uh, techniques and culture with contemporary techniques and culture to create something completely new uh, more coming up this is pulse 95 you're listening to the life beats podcast life beats life beats with sally musa only on pulse 95 yes we are back with the phenomenal azza al-qubaisi uh, who is known as the UAE's first Emirati jewelry artist, but since then she has really branched out into so much more, into sculpture, into art installations, uh, you name it, product design, she does it. Um, and you were talking about how in when the Finnish ambassador came, yeah. uh, you realized actually, you know, the essence of nature is what drives you. It's what drives your um, designs. I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, because you had a, a contemporary eye from the very beginning. And I think that comes from your experience in London, yes? Um, I think it's it's all about discovering myself. I don't think uh, it's just being in London. I think being in London gave me the opportunity to discover who I am and mm. what I loved. Um, and um, all my inspirations during all the uh, pieces that I was designing during the uh, three years there, uh, doing my BA was all inspired by, you know, taking pictures of the desert and, and when I come back for the Christmas holiday. So to me, I felt it made me connect to really who I am uh, as a person, as, you know, what makes me different. I mean, the country there is so co- cosmopolitan to the point where you really want to know who you are, yeah, yeah. how you fit in the world. Because you didn't have the, the greatest reaction from people here in the UAE, from locals, no, to your not designs. not in the beginning. Not in the beginning, <laughs> exactly. So how did you kind of... First of all, how did you stick to remain? You know, you stuck to who you were. And how did you kind of change attitudes to the kind of designs that you were creating? Well, simply it was education, education. So I felt um, that I had to be out there, uh, talk about what I do, why I do what I do. 
Um, so I think what helped me uh, very early on in the beginning of my career was the media, the radios, the TV programs, the newspapers, the magazines. Um, they were able to carry my voice and make it echo out there. Mm. And um, in, in many ways that actually helped people to you know develop their concept oh there is an emirati who actually works with her hand i mean it didn't make any sense for them in the beginning they kept saying as a why would you want to sit in an office and work you know get people manage them do mass production i was like i'm an artist i don't do mass production <laughs> well today i do mass yeah. production but maybe not jewelry uh, but corporate gifts so maybe we'll talk about that later but i i think it, to me i felt that i i had i i really love what i'm doing and i want to continue doing it I just need to educate people. There's something that has to continue. It uh, may be making jewelry as Emiratis um, existed and then disappeared and now is making a comeback. And I felt, um, you know, that I, I had to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody had to. Uh, so I took it on my, you know, on myself to start it and, and take the journey and educate people. And eventually I started the uh, Ibda Jewelry Award as well to support younger designers. Uh, we're part as well uh, of a community of designers. I think it's very important to, to start things like that for today. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I started in the first 10 years, there was nobody and everybody was literally laughing. <laughs> wow, wow. Yes. But you turned it all around. You stuck to who you are. Something uh, that's wonderful that you do is kind of bridging that, um, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of two aesthetics of something that's traditional and something that's contemporary, something that's Emirati, but something that feels very global as well. Talk to us about how you do that in your designs. Well, um, in my design, I think uh, I always tell them, I people know me as an artist, but I survive through design. Um, uh, that's how I earn my living. And a lot of people up to now, I think, don't realize that um, I don't really live off creating the jewelry as wearable art. Um, I do have collectors and people do buy them, but I do earn my living through d designing and producing bespoke gifts. Mm awards trophies horse races right. uh, trophies so that's what i've been doing since 2005 mm -hmm. and um, alhamdulillah i've i've been able to work with uh, some of the biggest festivals and awards uh, in the country mm. um, and being able to develop my self and learn how to uh, you know understand my clients what they want uh, making their dreams come into a reality as a, you know as an item in the end of the day that is made and produced uh, in the UAE uh, was a big journey I mean to move from an artist to an artist and a designer uh, I, I had to develop a lot of you know Mind, mindsets and wear different hats at different points. We're going to get to the Christo and Jean-Claude uh, judging that you've been doing for, I think, the past seven, eight years in a moment. But uh, talk to us a bit about, you know, your art sculptures and installations that you do and how different that is to designing jewellery. Um, well, 
when we talk about designing, that means we have to create something that we know people will wear at a certain price and with a certain look. Uh, but when you're creating art, that's the last thing you think about, mm. literally. Mm. Uh, you're trying to express yourself, create something that has a more uh, deeper reflection to what you're trying to say through an artwork. Um, and that's what mainly I enjoy doing. Uh, but in the other hand, uh, with my installations um, and with my passion and love towards the environment, um, I and the research uh, with different material, I started working with sand, asphalt, and palm branches. And in 2010, that's when I launched an initiative uh, to engage the community in the whole UAE and get them to uh, reconnect with the material that was past, uh, part of our past um, uh, ancestors' life. Well, grandmothers, actually, not that far. Talk to us so, a bit more about that, yeah. So... Um, I felt we became very distant from the palm tree, which was very essential to their life at that point. Uh, their homes were made out of it. Everything was made out of it. And they ate from it. Exactly. So today we have our dates plate come to us or we would buy it from a supermarket. But we're very distant from the palm tree itself. So I started creating, well, the first initiative that I launched was literally I created those um, beautiful um, like um, columns of palm branches which I put through the like social media and I told them anybody can call me and I'll come and create you know bring those artworks with me and you'll be able to paint on them and went to Fujairah went to Ajman went to different cities um, uh, at that point and I got them to paint I even had Italians request me for an event in Emirates Palace like I went to the strangest places to really get the people to connect to the palm tree and that's when my journey started growing with the palm tree and I started creating more bigger installations, smaller installations just really connecting the people to the palm itself a lot of people will hold it and say oh my god we realize it's that beautiful or it's that tall is it really that big we see the palm as a small you know tree mm -hmm. um, and I tell them well one branch is, can be like more than over four and a half meters and that's a radius not a diameter so imagine how big a palm tree can be and they go oh maybe that's only the, uh, the palm trees in Liwa not Abu Dhabi I was like well maybe <laughs> they're definitely a better quality because there isn't humidity there so the quality of the branches are much nicer shinier and cleaner there um, and that's where I actually get 99% um, of, of my uh, palm branches um, which I create as well furniture from and it goes very well with who I am I, I mean uh, to me it's very important not to deviate from what I'm trying to reach my end goal is you know showcasing something related to my culture who I am and my passion towards the environment. So creating a line of uh, sustainable furniture is definitely something that goes with my ethics and beliefs. Um, where else I see all these plastic furniture that within a year or two, you pay six, seven thousand and then end up throwing them and buying another set. Uh, my pieces, you just change the palms if they get damaged and it just you know keeps on 
going and and living there because I I mean I still love using modern material like stainless steel, um, iron that uh, mild steel that usually rusts and echoes the environment as well uh, with the rusty color. I still see it as a beautiful material, whereas some people would see it as rust. Right, right. I agree <laughs> I, I with you. I see it very beautiful. I see it more like a living metal. Yes. It is because it's living and it's changing yes, through that yes, process of yes, rust. Exactly. Gorgeous. Amazing. We're going to continue the conversation with Azal Qubaisi next. Uh, talk about uh, the Christo Jean-Claude Award plus her, uh, her workshops here in Sharjah as well. More to come. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We are back with Emirati designer, sculptor, Azza Al-Qubaisi. Um, Azza, let's talk a bit about the Jean-Claude uh, Award, which uh, you are part of the judging panel and have been from the very beginning. Uh, we, of course, had the students from the American University of Sharjah who are this year's winners yes. um, with their Scylla uh, artwork, which was the winning um, art installation. It's incredible. You know, again, you know, this is coming back to Emirati art and culture. How do we create something unique and contemporary out of it? Talk to us a bit about the importance of this award, what it's like to, to judge. Yeah, it's it's one of the very few awards in the country that really uh, supports artists um, to go out there like new artists, um, young ones, uh, fresh from university to really um, explore and be put in the spotlight with their artwork. Um, and I think for the past few years, we've been seeing more of the groups winning over the individuals. Right. <laughs> in the beginning, when it started, most of the applicants were individuals. And we still like, uh, I think last year or the year before, it was an individual from uh, NYU. Uh, but definitely, I, I see the power of a group uh, coming together and and creating. Um, it's it's been a magnificent journey being part of the jury members from the beginning and seeing the evolution of the applicants and the work that have been uh, put forward. I must say, I mean, a lot of them get influenced by uh, the winners of the year before, so that somehow uh, influences their work, but. We always get shocked with the, you know, new concepts and some of them that never get to be realized. But what an honor for anybody of them to go to the journey of being shortlisted and going through, you know, practicing a, 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 an application itself. It just, I think, pushes. It just reminds me of my journey when I first came from London and uh, I was looking for different things that I can apply to. I think such applications allow a person to understand themselves better and see how they can further develop themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this is uh, as well what we've seen, you know, the, the the development of the applicants that have been happening year after year. Wow, that's fantastic. Of course, you get to meet Christo every time. Well, yeah, <laughs> most of the time, alhamdulillah, on a yearly basis. What a great honor to meet uh, a person with such uh, a history, mm. uh, a career, uh, and such a humble artist uh, who, you know, 
uh, always would like through any talk or just meeting him, you you'd always learn something from a person like him. Talk to me a bit about you know the kind of things that you learned and and you know why he continues you know so many decades now, so many yes. decades, half a century yes. later, yes. he's still so at the forefront and so influential. Well, to see how much he is connected uh, to the UAE and to see his journey and how he came to come uh, to Abu Dhabi and how he went to the desert and how he created uh, you know his his uh, mustaba and the concept he came uh, with in the uh, I think it was 70s um, magnificent you know um, who would come from you know New York all the way here when you know art wasn't big and I think that is genuine art in, in, in the end of the day when, when somebody comes at a time where wealth was not there. <laughs> right, sees and, the potential. And, and, and sees, you know, the potential and the beauty that we see in the desert and his creation. I actually had the honor of, of uh, saving one of his sketches. We were at dinner once and he was explaining to the guests uh, uh, that evening and he had a, a pencil on him and he sketched on the napkin. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> After dinner, we all know where the napkin went. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my safe. <laughs> um, so to 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 hear him talk about his journey, uh, to read about him, to you know uh, learn about him every year uh, and and his journey. And plus, I mean, last year he had the opportunity in in the Hyde Park uh, in London to do the mustaba. Uh, what a magnificent artwork uh, and materials that he has used. So we, inshallah, yani look forward to seeing, hopefully, uh, the resting home of the Mustaba uh, in the UAE, inshallah. Mm. Uh, but uh, till then, to see him invest uh, in artists in the country uh, and to do it for so many years and to continue uh, supporting the artists and giving them the opportunity for the shortlist uh, to travel and meet him and see his artwork in different parts of the world uh, must uh, somehow influence uh, and, and give them the confidence to develop their career. Uh, most of them are architects, but I mean... Architects are in many ways artists as well. I mean, that was the career that I would have probably taken if I didn't travel uh, to the UK because it was one of the you know most artistic uh, available education within the Arab world mm. when art was not available. Mm -hmm. uh, but alhamdulillah, I was uh, I mean lucky enough to to study what I really wanted uh, by living Incredible. in London. Incredible, but uh, of course we, we always see, we often see students from American University of Sharjah winning design awards and doing incredible things. That the James Dyson Award was won by AUS students. We've got Christo Jean Claude Award as well. Yes, um, you know, it, it, just very quickly, kind of just tell us what you saw, you know, in their uh, winning designs and and what makes you choose, say, for example, one um, design over another. Well, many different aspects. Um, some designs are not feasible. Mm. Uh, some designs have issues in transportation and yeah. moving them. Uh, so they're not thought very thoroughly. They're beautiful, but um, 
they need way more development. And I think the choice uh, always comes to the ones that have done their homework well. Yes. So the ones that have really invested the time, made their prototypes, uh, researched enough, gave us the right questions, mm. really um, uh, went through the cost of the production. Because in the end of the day, this piece has to be realized in a very short period of time. Um, we usually have three to four which can be realized but one of them have really would have done their homework and have really experimented with the material it always comes down to um, the, the the materials the feasibility and uh, the prototypes that they do and their research it all has to align yes. uh, we have to talk uh, before we let you go we need to talk about the amazing workshop that you uh, just last weekend had here in the heart of Sharjah um, and it was all about using the ancient technique of uh, cuttlefish silver casting. Talk yes. to us about this. Yes. Well, um, it's a material, uh, it's a technique that actually has existed for hundreds of years. Uh, it has uh, been used by different civilizations for making jewelry or casting. Um, and to me, um, I fell in love with it, literally. The medium, the texture that uh, you get out of it. Um, a lot of people use it for fast casting so it's not necessary for the texture of the material but for the process so literally you create a mold you carve into it and then literally you create a funnel and pour the silver into it or gold and put it in water and you've got a casted piece wow really so fast process this has been used to create jewelry for hundreds of years yes wow yes um, but basically cuttlefish is like your calamari Yes, that's what we're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, we're we're talking about the bone of the calamari. Wow! wow. Um, you take two pieces, rub the well, dry it, wash it, and then wait for it to really dry, and then you cut the edges, rub them together. And then you have a two-part mold. Of course, you can do a three, four, five-part mold. It depends on how big your piece is. Um, and then uh, you make the funnel from one side and literally carve any shape from one side. I mean, I do a beginner and a more advanced where you can do a ring, but in the beginning you can do a pendant. So it has to be flat from one side, three-dimensional from the other. And then whatever you do, I mean, I've done it with kids. I've done it with kids uh, uh, with autism. Uh, everybody can do it. I, I, I think it's a very simple process, but you only realize its potential after you have made your first piece wow. when you do your second you you know you only develop yeah. literally by understanding the material itself to me it's like a second nature i've done it so many times in my life that you know i i understand what the material will give me the look it will give me but i do every now and then get shocked with some of the pieces that get made during those workshops fantastic yeah. that is amazing that is beautiful you had quite a few um participants actually in the yeah, workshop over over 20 wow. um it was really intensive uh all the pieces got casted but we couldn't finish them on site so i had to take them to my workshop and do the cutting of the extra silver do you feel like these kind of workshops are going to inspire more emirati artists 
to kind of explore these. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was really shocked. Um, I see now more and more designers come to those workshops, experience different, you know, techniques and materials. And They're I experienced think designers, but they come to you for these interesting of techniques. Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, I, somebody has to learn somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and uh, taking such workshops that are two, three hours, you know, is nothing uh, when it comes to, you know, learning new techniques and seeing if it's something you can take. I mean, I went all the way to Morocco to learn uh, certain techniques. I didn't use them yet, but I, I enjoyed the journey, knowing that if I needed this technique, I actually have a background, I've learned it, I've got mm. the tools. It's something that is very useful for any designer. Amazing, amazing. It's just phenomenal. Azal Qubaisi, what an absolute pleasure, what a joy Thank to talk you. to you today Thank you, and you to uh, you know discover your love and your passion for what you do, which inspires so many others every single day. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.